The Cannabis Business Coach. Hi, Mike Z here, author of the Cannabis Business Book. And you're listening to the Cannabis Business Coach Podcast, where I chat with and coach the highest performing entrepreneurs in the cannabis industry. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. The Cannabis Business Coach. Hi, Mike Z here, and on this week's episode of the Cannabis Business Coach Podcast, I have my dear friend, the lovely and talented Shannon Jaramillo, the CEO and founder of Cannabis NM Staffing, and the NM is New Mexico. So if you're looking for a cannabis job in New Mexico, Shannon is the lady to speak to. And I'm so excited to have Shannon here today and share some of her story. Shannon, would you be kind enough to introduce yourself and tell a little more about who you are? Sure, thank you. I appreciate you having me here today, Mike. First off, I'm a supporter and I support all of your work. So thank you so much. Um, You know, I came into the cannabis industry like many people looking into the field today. Um, I had adversity in my career. I was a recruiter in the life insurance industry and high level recruiting commission-based folks in several states, um, including New York and the New Jersey area, actually. Um, And so I've got markets all over for that reason. But I came in and I just thought, you know what, I'm going to go in as a bud tender. And everybody kind of does that now, too. They have that little pigeonholed view of it, right? That's all we see. So I approached the industry and I started conducting my own job search and eventually realized that it would be better if I transitioned my skill set. I saw a spot for me and I created a space. Um, I started opening up events to educate people and started talking about recruitment and resumes and career advisement. And from there, I was validated um, in several of my events by a lot of folks just saying, man, you have to keep going. And so I started... Uh, much like somebody being in the right place at the right time. And I'm very honored to continue. Amazing. And I I love that. So many similarities between our journeys into this thing where, you know, started out with events and educating people and by becoming a resource in the community, you become known as someone who's reliable and a go-to person. and, And that allows you to grow a business and a brand and you've done that for for several years now but i want to i want to kind of zoom out for a second and ask you why cannabis what was it that made you decide you know i want to be in cannabis well that's a deep question for somebody who's been a cannabis activist her whole life and i've had i've used it as a medicine and medicinally myself Um, and also i lost my mother to breast cancer So at the end of her life, we did um, uh, experiment as well as with my aunt who we lost to breast cancer as well. And so it's dear to my heart for those reasons. And then um, as I started approaching the field, I just thought, you know what, I want to do something that's meaningful to me and that I know I can make a difference. And that was my feeling. And I'm just lucky enough that I'm actually able to do that now. Sorry to hear about the the losses and, and that being the reason um, or part of the reason, but I am glad that you've chosen this work and have been making the impact that you've you've been having in New Mexico. And um, I'm curious to ask you, what's a day in the life like for (laughs) you running a cannabis business in New Mexico? Well, right now we're still a small business and I'm self-funded. And so I wear several hats. And, um, you know, the pandemic did cause us to uh, downsize a bit um, so that we can continue. Um, And so the day in the life of Shannon um, starts at 5 (laughs) a.m. And it could end as late as 9 p.m., right? But I'm getting better at work-life balance and I'm getting better at self-care because I do realize that a lot of people rely on me now. And I'm honored to be that person. And so now I'm really working on that. But really it entails um, maybe producing courses um, with my educational team, um, hosting recruitment sessions and career advisement with my client and alumni specialist, Carolyn, who holds us down at Cannabis and Staffing and the Cannabis Training Center. Um, and or I could be doing a consultation, um, a high level consultation to help somebody into the field on the business end. And so 
for the most part, I have several layers. And one of the most interesting layers that I um, help with in the community, and I get calls around all the time, is that I am a regulatory expert. I teach regulations and I work on workforce compliance and certifications. Um, and so I get a lot of folks when regulations shift, even business owners and employees calling me and relying on me to keep them updated. Um, and that's probably the, the best part of my day is when I get to have those convos with a business owner or an employee and we're, we're kind of jiving about the changes around us in the industry. There's yeah. no shortage of changes, especially <laughs> on the regulatory side. Amen, right? <laughs> tell us a little, and us being me and the audience, of course, um, tell us a little about New Mexico and the state of cannabis over there and where you see things going and also how you've seen things change over the years because i imagine no doubt since you've got got started with your business things have changed a bunch so give me a little lay of the land if you will sure i teach um, the marketplace and landscape class so i love this topic and it's 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 a uh, one that i can nerd out with you on for sure um, so New Mexico is a very unique state um, in that we have medical cannabis program and we do have our licensing capped at present here. So if a new business owner wants to grow um, or produce or be a licensed nonprofit producer, those licensing and applications have been closed since 2015. And so our marketplace is overseen by the New Mexico Department of Health. Um, and um, historically that administration has changed year after year, which has presented um, its own challenges, right? Um, being that I am an educator in the field and I've gotten very close to the state departments, particularly the Department of Health, one of the challenges I have seen over the years is that they themselves need education and they need a baseline too. And so being tasked with educating legislators has been really cool. Um, in that respect, realizing that we're all just learning this thing. And so it's very humbling, right, when you have a group at the state level being tasked with overseeing um, this community here who's learning and trying to figure out why they don't have control and always looking at these guys, right, and the state, at the state. Um, and so with that said, I'm talking about the unique patient community that we have here. Our consumer population has doubled in size since I started in 2017 and it has never declined. And so we're also a lot of activists that know each other. We have patient alliances and coalitions and I'm talking deep seated and local. Um, and we also, you know, have ASA, Americans for Safe Access groups here and Normel and these groups too. But locally, we've got folks that have come together and are actively going to the Department of Health and petitioning for qualifying conditions to move the marketplace. So our local patients are a huge catalyst for the movement, as well as the licensees and the business owners. Um, one can be licensed one of four ways in the state of New Mexico to conduct business. That's you can be a licensed nonprofit producer and have a vertically integrated model, um, and you grow um, and you sell th through a retail outlet. Um, you can also have a courier and a manufacturer's license under this one license. Then we have a group of manufacturers. There's about 16, 14 to 16 that fluctuates and that licensing is open. There are couriers, we have one in the state, and then we have two quality assurance labs, one on the north end and one on the south end of the state. And so uh, around that, we have several uh, ancillary businesses and a nice pocket of folks doing business there, providing professional services, um, as well as medical card services to patients to help grow the population and educate. Um, and then we had on the horizon this last year, coming in strong was hemp, right, two years ago or this last year. And so this is our second uh, or third year going into that here in New Mexico. So we've got these layers and going forward, this will be our fifth year attempting to pass adult use through the Cannabis Taxation Act. And so I've been involved in that as well. And I do anticipate and predict that this will be our year under Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham. Cool. Thank A little you. lesson, I know. I love it, I love it, I, you know, now, Later today, when my girlfriend asks me, what did you learn today? I can say, well, I know a little bit more about New Mexico cannabis. Awesome. <laughs> so thank you for awesome. that. Sure. Um, cool, that's very exciting. Um, I wanna ask you, what advice do you have 
for people who are just looking to get started in the industry, whether it's, you know, looking for a job or wanting to start a business or that just want to get involved? Well, um, I have created a, I, I do have a specific formula for this, but I'll tell you, I um, aspire to help people globally and nationally. So yes, I'm helping people here in New Mexico, but my formula can work anywhere. And I've known for helping people to conduct a successful job search. And uh, we call it our five-star alumni program um, at, at the Cannabis Training Center. Um, but really, there's three pieces that encompass that. And if folks can look at the cannabis industry from three different pieces of having heart, being an activist, and looking at it through their activist lens, um, and then looking at, and that helps them look at the timing, and then being smart, becoming educated, and grabbing as much education as they can, and learning the vocabulary and the terminology, and learning the speak, the professional and scientific speak of our language, of our industry, right? Um, and then um, really learning to build. And so learning that the timing of this industry is that we are in the incubation stages. You know, we have uh, a lot of people looking in the field, but a lot of them will um, be rubbing up against each other if they don't have some markers to really make themselves more qualified and to market themselves. So my formula helps them to gain marketability and teaches them to look at timing to look at the businesses they're working for and not just to say, I'll work for you and I'll do anything because I love the plant, but to say, I can do this for you and I have this skill set and this is how I, I, I can do it. And so with that, I've helped people to focus their job search and um, gain an interview because a lot of times it's just about that, right? Got it. Yeah. And I'm curious if there are any resources that you recommend for folks who are, you know, just brand new and don't have the language down and don't have a ton of context, if there's anything that you really recommend for all of them. And if not, I have an idea, but I'm curious, what, you know, what comes to mind for you? Well, of course, I've put together tools and resources locally for, for local workforce and employees to stay updated, even patients to have access to free public service announcements. And so, the CannabisTrainingCenter.com is our resource and Canna NM staff. Attending events, reading, staying up on regulations, visiting state websites. So if I were in your state, I would say, you know, let's find out who oversees your program and let's look at what they are asking you as a workforce to have, right? And in the beginning, I didn't have all these tools and I had read The Entrepreneur's Guide to Cannabis by a certain Michael Sayetziv. And I was, and forgive me if I don't say your last name correct, and I was on the money. <laughs> awesome. This is, a, this is the throwback right here. That's a throwback you, right you there. You can't get this anymore in print. It's out of print. So it, it's if, on my Kindle. Nice. <laughs> if you want to get the new and improved version, go to Amazon, pick this bad boy up. Much better, much bigger too. The but, Cannabis Business Book. Yes, I'm almost finished with that guy. <laughs> anyway, sorry to jump in there. No, no, that's great. You know, I, um, I was excited that you put that together and um, I identified with a lot of the stuff you put in there. And so where I was going is I do recommend books and things that I've studied that have gotten me to this point, right? And also um, at the time I took a lot of classes over at Oaksterdam. So I was, I was telling people they were the, they, and I still do, they're the mothership, right? And um, Dale Sky Jones does appreciate that. But, you know, I do have a connection to several other educators in the country. And so there are no resources right or wrong, but becoming educated is what I overall recommend. Absolutely. I love when people agree with me because <laughs> it makes me feel like I'm not insane. Mm. And thank you. <laughs> a couple of things that I talk about in the cannabis business book, which is a hundred percent aligned with what you're saying is First of all, I, I'm a big believer that the best in investment you can make in your cannabis career or your cannabis business is a cannabis education. And that's right. something that it's not like, you know, Oaksterdam is great, but you don't go to Oaksterdam and get a cert certificate or wh whatnot, and then you're done. The cannabis education must keep going. And mm -hmm. it's something that, you know, you can be in this five years, 10 years, 30 years, and there's still more to learn about cannabis. So it's an ongoing uh, study in 
you really have to have the passion for, for the plant and learning about it if you want to be in this industry. Another thing that you and I totally agree on is activism is mandatory. If mm -hmm. you can't skip that part, that's a core part of your formula. And I'm 100% on board with that, that if you don't believe in a higher purpose or something beyond just financial gain or economic opportunity in this industry, somehow, you know, this is where I get mystical, but, you know, somehow the stars, the plants, whatever, the planets are not going to align for you. And so, you know, I think those two pieces are critical as well as, you know, something that you suggested, I'm, you know, I'm going to paraphrase a bit, but knowing what you're getting yourself into, I think exactly. that's the, in my opinion, that's the biggest mistake that I've seen people make when they rush into cannabis mm -hmm. is they don't do the research. They don't do enough homework and they have this idea, this fantasy of, you know, money grows on trees and I'm going to come in and become the next great cannabis zillionaire. And unfortunately, that's just not reality. So I'm curious from your experience, what are some of the most common mistakes or maybe a common or the most common mistake that you've seen job seekers make or on the flip side um, that you've seen employers make when relating to their workforce and their personnel? You know, I would love to start with the employer question first. And it's only because um, I feel like I have, that's my next level of, you know, being helpful to the marketplaces. We have a lot of job seekers now that are actually getting it because the, because it's such a gray area, they crave structure or a bridge. And so once they find that bridge with us, they go, I get it. Oh my gosh, this is going to help me get from point A of, I want this job to point B of how the heck do I get there? And then, you know, getting them there. And so for the employers, however, there still seems to be a gap between who should I hire? And oh my gosh, I got to hire somebody yesterday because I got to stay up with the competition. So they seem to skip the selection process and hire folks that fog up mirrors, uh, just a warm body, if you will, rather than somebody who is educated and moreover, somebody who knows employment law and educated around HR to do that for them. So for example, a hiring manager might be your last rock star bud tender or your last rock star patient care technician but they have never hired anybody in their life. They just happen to show up and be predictable for you. Well, that gentleman or, or young woman might make a lot of mistakes and, and put you at high risk and hire and have a high turnover. And so I'm trying to mitigate that and be helpful with labor shortages, high turnover and retention by helping to implement. Um, and actually it's already implemented, helping to reinforce uh, training and the markers, those three that we just talked about, giving them the formula on their side of the table, really. I'm yeah. hearing that it's a little bit of, you know, these business owners or operators, some of them don't have that experience of managing human resources and, and are not up to date on labor laws and just, you know, kind of the best practices of, of how to hire and onboard people in a way that not only ensures you're getting good talent, but also protects the business because to your point, there is a lot of uh, liability that comes through whenever you introduce a new human being into your company and, and enter an agreement with them. And, you know, that's, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's, I can imagine it being really easy for someone to, to kind of gloss over how important that is, especially if you're strapped for, hey, we need someone yesterday, mm -hmm. you know, so that's so interesting. I'd never consider that. But Well, and I don't want to paint a picture that they don't know what they're doing. I want to paint a picture of we need to progress past some certain points of the industry. We got our startup. Now we're progressing into these different phases. Now these guys are a little bit better off to suit and suited to have someone who can take that over or they can outsource, right? But here's an example. If you have somebody that doesn't know really employment law or HR in a medical cannabis industry, I found that a lot of folks, and I had this question this morning from a candidate, she said, do I have to be a patient to work in the medical cannabis field? 
Well, the confusion in our industry locally comes from back in the day, the business owners and folks hiring here were asking their folks to be patients. And that is detrimental. That's like me asking you to have PTSD to work for me or an ailment. And so they were doing that for various obvious reasons. Oh, you can touch the product. You have experience. You can talk to their patients as a patient. But then it was also causing uh, you know, all of this loss of money, high turnover and these issues. And so I'm trying to help by saying, no, you don't have to be a patient, but this is how you can look at it. And so without those markers, folks are grabbing a hold of markers that are more risky and just really shouldn't be talked about in an interview. And so those are the types of things that I'm kind of scrubbing here in New Mexico and hoping um, we can suss out as we move nationally and help the workforce and hiring managers to find some common ground. Excellent. Shannon, I want to ask you, what is your highest power? What is the, the, the secret sauce that allows you to succeed in this industry? Apart from the fact that I'm a silly goose and I laugh a lot because you really have to. <laughs> I can't, I sometimes take myself seriously, but you really have to bring it down. But my, I would say um, the very reason that I became an activist, I'm highly intuitive um, and I'm compassionate. And so that allows me to see and feel people in a completely different way. Um, and I'm able to be more helpful. And so I feel like my superpower is my compassion and my ability to use my hypersensitivity um, to its its abilities and, and to a positive um, um, in a positive manner, if you will. But that does come from, you know, all of my anxiousness and getting, you know, all of these things. And I use cannabis for that, right? And so it's all it all comes into one. And so I think I've over the years learned that um, that that has been my greatest gift is that I can feel people and. Man, over time, I've had folks come up to me when I gave my first event, and this you might resonate with, my first event, 150 people getting certified for the first time in New Mexico, 12 topics, 12 speakers. I mean, just amazing. It's giving me goosebumps now. People crying, walking up to me. And this was four months into my career, Michael. And I knew then, boom. I'm onto something. I can help these people. And I just, I just went for it. And, and it had to do with um, that intuitive, that gut feeling and the compassion and the ability to identify with them. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. That's sure. awesome. And I, I, I remember having some of those moments when events were a thing before COVID <laughs> and all that, right. where, you know, I, I remember there's a few standout moments where people came up to me after the event and were like thank you you changed my life I didn't know this was and I was just like these people are stoned you know like <laughs> I, I was like come on like you know I mean it was cool but it wasn't anything like you know we we're just talking about cannabis doing some education some networking you know but it it, it was real for them because it showed them this other possibility that, hey, this is a path that I can go down and that I can commit to cannabis advocacy or activism. And there's a community that's going to embrace and support me and that needs me. And that, you know, and, and it was that kind of helping people realize that this is my path. And when it, you know, it's one of my favorite things I get to see as a coach is when people have that aha moment or where, where things just click. And mm -hmm. I guess, you know, I've been really fortunate thanks to cannabis to be able to facilitate some of those moments and, and, and help people realize, wow, I can be an activist. I can make a difference for cannabis and for the community. And I might even get rewarded for it. It's, mm -hmm. you know, so. Right. And yeah. you gave them a safe space to talk about it, likely for the first time. Yes. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. That's so, so cool. Oh, thank you. It's, I, I'm just, you know, another example of right place at the right time and, and willing to do the right thing and, and getting pretty lucky thanks to cannabis. So <laughs> right. all praise, all praise to cannabis. Um, I have a question for you, if I can. Yes, of course. <laughs> so I had a moment, you know, six months into my career where things got so tough 
And I had a lot of, I mean, I had a lot of people wishing I wouldn't uh, succeed as much as I had, right? And it just got tough and the industry was, you know, moving. And have you ever had one of those moments where you're like, I can't do this, how can I go on, right? I did, I had a moment, I remember it clear as day, but had that ever happened to you in this industry? And, and, and then you pushed past it, obviously you're here now, but did that ever happen to you? Do you mean today or, or before? <laughs> oh, before uh, your coffee? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Before it's, it's funny you say that. I'm I'm a tea man, but okay. To, this it's funny because literally this morning my girlfriend was like, I, "I have some questions for you. Should I wait till you have your tea?" And I said, "Yes." <laughs> but <Smart> uh, woman. <laughs> she's she's the best. What a gift she is. Have I had those moments? Oh my mm-hmm. goodness, yes. Uh, and I still have those moments, to be honest. And mm-hmm. I think those moments are guaranteed in any kind of entrepreneurship, but especially in cannabis, because it's so wild and unpredictable and it's hard. And there's going to be so many moments when you get knocked on your ass. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've definitely had those moments. And, you know, it's funny, in, in the book, I interviewed all these people, and they say the number one characteristic you must have to succeed in this industry is resilience, mm. is you need to be able to, to face those moments and say, I'm going to do it anyway, or mm-hmm. I'm not going to quit. And, and for me, you know, um, I've had a number of those moments. And there were times when when I came close, where I was just like, man, fuck this. I can go back to the tech world and get a job that's going to be much easier and I'll be comfy and I, I, don't, I won't have to deal with all this nonsense and blah, 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 blah. And then for me personally, I just, when I think about the idea of quitting, it's just so not in line with my my story about myself and my identity that I'm just like, I don't fucking quit. Like I'm not, my work's not done. So I'm just going to keep work. Maybe I'll quit tomorrow, you know, and one day at a time. (laughs) Yeah. Cause, cause the thing is, I I also, in those moments, I, 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 I know that that's not my truth most of the time. And so I kind of tell myself in those moments, okay, you know, maybe this is a bad day. Maybe this is a bad week, but this will pass. And most of the time I look at my work and my life and I say, wow, like how the hell did this happen? This is pretty awesome. So, and and I, I, I think it's a big, you know, the word that's coming to me is, is faith. And you really have to believe. And I, I do believe because like I said, you know, I like to say I've gotten lucky a bunch of times along the way, but there Mm -hmm. are so many times and maybe you can relate to this where I was just like, this isn't luck. There's like the something like the universe is conspiring here Mm -hmm. to help me because the shit that, you know, this (laughs) luck is too good kind of thing where I, I was just like, no, you know what, this isn't, this isn't, uh, you know, I don't believe in coincidences. Right. And so there have been so many times where I feel like there was, you know, this is going to sound crazy, but like divine intervention where I, you know, it, 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 and the story I tell myself is that there's a reason that I was put in this place and this time and given these opportunities and put in this position. And, you know, I, I'm too, I, I can't ignore that, you know, because I feel like, again, it, it's, it just lines up too well sometimes that I have to believe that this is not, you know, it's not about me. This is something that I'm just like, here to to put forth and i have to do my part and when i start thinking oh poor me or oh this is hard or oh i don't know if this is working i have to remind myself that you know the the other key word and you said it earlier is is responsibility you know there's people who are relying on or depending on me and if i stop doing my part who's going to pick up the slack or who's going to suffer 
because I decided to quit or to go cares as much as as you do. Right, right, right. right. And so I think in, in those moments, it's really important to to know and remind yourself what is your mission, what is your higher purpose, as I call it, um, because those times are guaranteed, right? And right. and I think the the key thing is you have to plan for that and kind of understand that these times are going to come. So what's my game plan when that happens? Mm-hmm. And how do I spend, I, I know for me, it's like, I, I can, I can really beat myself up, especially mm-hmm. when I get into those times where I'm just like, oh man, you suck. Like, what are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. But now I've learned that, okay, when those times come, I need to spend as little time in that headspace as possible. So how do I do that? As soon as I recognize it, I got to intervene. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's something that I learned over time. But I, I'm glad you brought this up because I feel like this is such an important part of managing your energy. And when you're an entrepreneur, you know, protecting your mental health and, and being aware of that and baking that into your business model or into your, into your behavior um, because the challenges are guaranteed. And as someone said to me yesterday, we, we live in a society, we live in a culture that fetishizes entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and, you know, hustling or, or whatnot. And the reality is, is being an entrepreneur is, is very hard, can be, can be very isolating, mm-hmm. can be traumatic, can be extremely stressful. And so if you don't have the tools to protect and maintain your mental health, it's going to be a, a bumpy ride and a difficult one. So I don't know. I think, I think, I hope that answers the question. I don't want to keep rambling because I, I, I want to hear your insights today, sure. but I, I do appreciate the question. And Thank you. you know, if you want to respond to it, please be my guest. No, I just, I was just wondering because I know that, I mean, it just, uh, it takes a lot to to continue, and it, like you said, in any field, um, and uh, that's something I wanted the audience to hear. Is you know how how are we still here through all of this? And there's different layers. You know, federally we're Schedule One substance, illegal. Federal government views us a certain way, and that causes the stigma to be alive and well. And then we fight that at the state levels um, through our work and activism and different things. And so it is encouraging to hear how you've overcome it. And I love what you said. It's basically like put the oxygen mask on first, but also plan for it. Um, and my father is a mentor and coach was a motivational speaker my whole life and very, um, big in recruitment and development as well. And he used to say, plan your time off and plan for the, um, the unknown. Right. And so I love that because it ties into that for me, but thank you. Thanks for answering. Awesome. I thank you for sharing that bit about your dad. Sure. One other thing that, that comes to mind for me, and I, I put this in my book as well, is you have to take a long-term approach. Mm. And when I got into cannabis, you know, I was in, uh, naive, potentially, and idealistic young man. I was 24-ish. And when I had that aha moment that we spoke of earlier, where I, I, I understood that this was my path and this was what I was going to be doing, you know, when that happened for me, it was so clear and felt so true that this was my destiny that in my mind, I, I said to myself, hey, I'm going to do this work until the day that I die. Mm-hmm. And so when I think, when I have those moments of, oh, maybe this isn't going so well, or maybe this is a rough week or whatever, I, I, it's what makes it easier is reminding myself, you know, 30 years from now, I'm not going to remember this. I'm not even going to remember this 30 days from now, most likely, mm. because things move so fast in this industry. But for me personally, I think having that long-term approach and making that long-term commitment makes it a lot easier to weather the storm because if you know that hey this is a lifelong journey or battle or adventure or whatnot 
then you know the the day-to-day challenges and difficulties don't they become less scary especially right. after you've already survived a number of them and you know like oh what's the worst that could happen oh this thing <laughs> this, you know, no come on this is nothing compared to right. what i dealt with last year or last month or <laughs> that's so, what it's become right <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i think that and having a good network of centers of influence and like you said, I you said something that's coming to mind as you're as you're um, wrapping up the topic for us. It's it's like, you know, the once you make a, a decision, and I do coach the job applicants or professionals looking at the field. If I'm bridging somebody into a job role, I'll say, you know, you've got to give this a 12 month shot, you know, and look at it from a perspective because I, you know, they're not signing contracts, but some of them are, and so I do ask them to take a long term approach to build a skill set in the industry because. It, it takes time. But also once you make that determination or when I made, I'll speak with I statements, when I made that determination, uh, for me, it was um, something that, like you said, started to manifest. So the weirdest things will happen and I'll be walking my dog. And that day, three weeks ago, not even three weeks ago, three months ago, I'm sorry, where I started saying, you know, a speech came to mind, a national speech as to how I was going to be an activist for the workforce nationally and globally. And all of these different things just swirling around and then suddenly getting calls from people to help me put that in motion. Um, Or somebody will call and say, nowadays, Shannon, do you know of anybody who knows manufacturing? I need a consultant. And I'll say, you know what? That's not my forte, but in about five days, I'll have about five of them for you because you just set that in motion. And they'll start cracking up, but it's true. And you know what that comes with, I think, is predictability and showing up. And I think people like us that just make that decision, um, and I know it's something that's been coached into me, is showing up and being predictable, right? And so I think those are pieces for me that um, have allowed me to continue and to say, you know what, this is the space that I've created, but I'm needed, and then I feel honored as I move. And so that helps me to get through those difficult moments, you know? And I gotta say, I love the fact that you said I statements. I'm such a, <laughs> I, I love I statements. I do. So <laughs> I want to shift gears um, to the coaching portion of the show. Sure. So I'm going to put on my coaching hat and I want to ask you, Shannon, what is the biggest roadblock or challenge for you in your business right now? Well, I feel like um, scaling due to funding is a challenge, is our challenge right now. And that's where I'm hyper-focused. And so we've got a lot of opportunity and a lot of folks that um, need us. And so I just need the right investors and or uh, partnerships along the way to help us take it to that level so we can help more people. And so that's where I'm at uh, with our business model at this time and with my biggest challenge. Got it. So... I'm hearing that the challenge is to find the right capital partners to scale the business. Yes, sir. And what, you know, it's, it's funny to me because it's funny because you're great at searching, right? (laughs) And also because of what we just talked about where, you know, you say it, you put it out there, and then it'll mm-hmm. it'll magnetize or manifest or, or appear. So I'm like half jokingly, I want to say, oh, you just talked about it, so it's all good. Like, give it five days. <laughs> right, exactly. And, I'll, and you know what? And you're right on. But you know what I just figured out is maybe the layer underneath that is, okay, that beacon is out. That's right. But the coaching is in how... I conduct those conversations with these folks because I have been fighting uh, imposter syndrome since the beginning. And now I know I'm way past that. I am worthy. We have a business model that's tried and true. It's tested. And even at the state levels, they're calling us back. And so I know that we're ready. I just need the coaching on the layers. Um, and then from there, um, some of that I know will come to fruition. But that's where I feel my weak spots are. Got it. So I'm hearing then the battling with imposter syndrome. (laughs) Right. Well, and, and allowing myself to go into those types of meetings just as confidently as I did this interview and, or sitting on a panel in front of a room with people I don't know. Right. Um, My business model. I mean, we don't, we don't have any debt 
and we're set up pretty well. And so I think that with the right um, uh, folks behind me then, and the right beacon out there that it's going to happen. And so that's why I did um, take on your offer for coaching past this point too, as you know, is because I'm very committed to the people I'm helping and I'm committed to um, showing my vulnerability so that I can solve that and be coachable and move forward and, and help my, my team to do that with me. Awesome. So let me ask you this question and then I might say something crazy because it came to me and I'm a little, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to sit on it to see if I, if I feel like it's okay to say, but Mm -hmm. I want to ask you what's preventing you from showing up to those conversations or meetings as confidently as you showed up here today or as you show up for a panel or, or speaking engagement? Well, that's a type of meeting I guess I've never had. So maybe just simple role-playing would help. Um, the conversations I know that I have the answers to um, and everything behind that pitch decks and finances and all of that good to go. I think it's the right partner on the tech end because we do have a brand that we're working on. Um, and so I think with the right support and, and role-play coaching, that I would definitely show up a lot different. Okay, well, that's helpful because now I know what we can work on in a coaching <laughs> session offline. Right. <laughs> Here's the crazy thing. I'm just gonna say it because it feels edgy and risky to me. That's okay. And it's controversial more from my end than from for you. So I don't think you need help here. <laughs> I, I think you're fully capable of of handling it i think it's just a a small mindset shift of i can do this versus you know i i'm hearing there's some fear or concern about you know i don't have the experience with this kind of meeting or this kind of conversation i know it sounds ridiculous it's just a story (laughs) it's just a story you know my yeah. father's going to hear this and he's going to agree with you a thousand percent. Okay. I oh, want you to know that. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that, that validation is great. But, <laughs> but you know, it, it's funny because you even hear it. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes, you know, it's the beauty of coaching is sometimes just hearing ourselves say, or I should say, I'm going to use the I statements now. Sometimes when, when I hear myself actually vocalize my, my thoughts and I hear it and I just go, oh, that doesn't sound right. It could be enough to to shift from, you know, that that old story or belief that's not serving me mm-hmm. to, oh, well, if that's not right, then what is the truth or what is more true for me? And so I'm going to ask you, if that story doesn't sound right to you, what's what's a better story? What's a more real story? And this is ironic. That's why you're seeing this look on my face that everybody else can't see right now is because I was just telling somebody yesterday that if you're going to make up a story, at least make it a good one and make it positive. And that's what I was saying out of my mouth as I told myself my own story. Right. Um, So this is very valid. And, um, you know, I that I can um, that I'm capable and that I'm confident in having conversations with um, anybody really about looking into my business and, and that I'm also capable of selecting the right partners and the right folks for capital because of my experience in recruitment, my intuitive high power or my superpower, as you said. Um, And so thank you for helping me to change that story. I need to, you know me, I need to perfect it a little bit more. Um, but I think that I need it. That's the devil's in the details for me. And so I always over-prepare um, just so that I know that I can handle curveballs. So I think that, you know, preparation for me is going to be key. So uh, I'm going to invite you to perfect that story a little bit with me right here. Okay. And I'm going to ask you, because I heard you say that you are capable of having those conversations with anyone about your business and you're capable of choosing appropriate partners and good partners. And I want to ask you, what about you is true that makes it so that you can do those things? Well, um, 
that I've never given up and I am uh, resilient and that I know my shit. I'm well studied, I'm educated, and um, I have uh, I have my own story behind how I've come through a lot of this adversity in the industry. Um, and so I think that in itself makes me capable and also worthy and also a value for a lot of folks to talk to. And I tend to not give myself, uh, you know, props, if you will, or be congratulatory towards myself. Um, and, you know, a lot of folks try to, uh, try to help me with that. And, you know, I think a good lesson from this is to be my own cheerleader, right? And to allow myself to feel some of the accomplishments, knowing that these have been stepping stones and that I've been working um, towards this moment and that I'm ready for it. So it feels good. And I actually, I feel like you just brought something out of me completely different. And um, so thank you. I do appreciate it. And I'm not generally speaking, walking around saying I'm incapable, but I'm also human. And when you take on several layers, um, I feel like sometimes it's only natural that I question um, a few a few pieces of what I'm working on, especially when it stands to make such a big impact. And so I know that that's pretty much what it has to do with. And I feel like you've helped me to identify that. So thank you so much. My pleasure. And I'm not done with you yet. I, that's okay. <laughs> I think you're, I, I, trust me, we could chill all day long. You know yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I want to, I wanted to, I want, I want to get a little deeper if I may, which of is, um, and of course now I'm like, you made me laugh and I forgot what I was going to say. So stoner brain, but um, I, I, oh yes. Okay. So here it is. So one thing just to respond really quickly is I think just acknowledging as you just did so beautifully that when, and I'm going to use a we statement because I think this is true for both of us. Yay. Giving you a virtual hug. Yay. <laughs> when, when we, take big risks when we undertake new challenges new opportunities when the stakes feel high it's natural mm -hmm. and expected for for us to feel some fear or some insecurity or to to question oh my gosh can i really do this or am i is this am i am i being too crazy in my ambition or blah, 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 blah. Are these stories I'm telling myself grounded in reality, whatever it may be. Right. I think that's totally natural and perhaps even an indicator that we're on our growth edge, where we're exactly where we need to be because all that growth comes outside of the comfort zone. And it's that ability mm -hmm. to, you know, I forget what the quote is, but something like, Courage isn't the absence of fear. It's moving forward despite the fear. Mm -hmm. And so feeling that, oh, I don't know, and I'm questioning, <laughs> I'm I think that's actually a, a good indicator that you're on, you're in the right place and that you're, you're going forward and upward and higher and beyond. So, so that's, that's just something I wanted to reflect to you. Thank you. The, the other piece, I want to go a little bit deeper into, into what you were saying about how, you know, you're ready and you've built your business and you've got what it takes to, to have these conversations and to move forward because you know your shit and you're prepared, all that stuff. I want you to kind of tell me what kind of person is prepared, knows their shit, can talk to anyone about their their accomplishments and their business. And, you know, how would you describe a person like that? A person who knows their shit. <laughs> well, I was just going to go ahead and say it, but, you know, I definitely coach my job applicants, my candidates, my five stars to be the, to aspire to that level, right? But in general, um, I think that a person who knows their shit um, is an expert <laughs> or has some sort of expertise, right? Um, but in this field, I don't like to use that word too much because everything shifts so quick. I can be an expert in 2017 and be totally out of loop by 2018 or 2019. So I like to um, 
think that a person who, like me, who knows my shit and is educated, is somebody who understands that they have to keep showing up and keep going through the challenges um, so that they can, you know, keep honoring their role in the community. Um, and that's the only way that I'm going to get paid, really, to at the end of this, right? And that's, and I feel like that's the truth is that there's a lot of different folks out there that in our industry who will um, actually magnify the stigma as they try to get into this thing. Um, and so I'm very sincere, forthright, and um, really just trying to show people a clear picture. And so I, I feel like that in itself is are, the, are similar characteristics to somebody who knows their shit. But I don't know, am I on to where you, did I go where you wanted me to go or did I go? <laughs> so I have, it's not about me. I have no, no, you know, I don't know where we're going to go. We're just dancing. But the, the, the funny thing is, yes, you did go where okay. I, I, I wanted to, go. You, you actually went not where I, I didn't have a want, but you went where I need to go. Cause now okay. what we're going to do is a piece of work. That's also my work. So sure. this is, this is going to be fun. And it's interesting. I heard you say this. Is what I'm going to drill into. I heard you say the word is expert, and almost immediately, you know, I heard this hesitation to to own that status, if you will, of I'm an expert. And it's funny because in my mind, I was like thinking of all the times people have have called me a cannabis expert and my immediate reaction was no you know don't don't say that because there's so many people who know so much more than me and you know I'm just a baby I just am you know I know a little but you know and the fact is when I when I actually stop and reflect I go well yeah compared to most people I am an expert and most people would view me as an expert but compared to the people I think are experts you know, I'm just a student. Right. And, and, and so on one hand, I, I acknowledge and admire your humility. And on the other hand, I'm going to push you. And, you know, at the same time, this is a piece of work for me, which is, you know, what's the reluctance of owning that, that title or that status? Because, <laughs> Go ahead. Because, yeah, I know. I just, I wanted to give you that space to, I, I saw that you, you, it, it had some impact on you, but, but I, I'm going to argue, I'm, I'm going to give you this, that, and I doubt you can't argue this with me. You can't prove, <laughs> you, you won't be able to prove otherwise to me, I don't think, which is when it comes to your business, which is really the nature of, you know, when having these partner conversations or these funding or investor conversations, when it comes to your business, not only are you the expert, right? Because you, you are. Right. I agree. And, but also when you have those conversations, those people on the other side need to see you as the expert. You know, they, they need to leave those conversations and say, wow, she really knows her shit or she's really on top of her business or, oh man, like right. this is the person that I want to, you know, put my, my capital or resources or energy or whatever behind. So I, I, the point there is, you know, you have to show up as an expert in those situations. It's, it's really the only option. So I, I want to offer you that. But the challenge I want to give you is, is this. What would it mean? What would be the risk of owning or believing that you are a cannabis expert or a cannabis business expert or, or whatever whatever the term might be? What's what's the risk there? What's the what's the concern with that? Uh, you know, I think that it's, it's this, for me, the conversation touches a lot of different bases. And I work with a gentleman who's my chief of studies. He's a dear friend. His name is Ishmael Mondragon or Mondragon. And he and I are always talking about, because he and I conducted a lot of research last year under the working group for Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham. 
So not only are we regulatory experts and law legal experts around how, and, and just in our piece around certifying employees and how employees are educated and licensed here in New Mexico, but moreover now in 10 different states, and that continues to expand every day as we conduct more research. And so there are times when we're in a room and we, I will be on a panel, Mike, and I can, everybody will just focus on me. And so I know that that's a great thing. That's a great thing for my business. That's a great thing that we're helpful and that we're in the room. And Ish and I sometimes will joke and we'll say, wow, we know a little bit more than the regulators here, or we know a little bit more than some of the business owners and wow, and wow, but that's not a bad thing. I guess over the years, I have been beaten up a little bit over it. And I think that it does, that in itself is something that I need to get past um, because I am an expert and I know that. And now just saying that I do own it. Um, I just think that I go to that other side so that I can say, oh, and I know that you have your expertise too, but I need to stop saying that because there are not just nine times out of 10, 10 times out of 10, when I walk into a room about cannabis or I'm invited, um, that I am very helpful. An expert in my piece of it, I never claim to be a medical cannabis expert and teach nursing courses or any of that. And so when I hone in on it that way, that really does you know, make a lot of sense. And it takes the self-pressure off that I'm putting on because the pressure that I carry on a daily basis is Shannon pressure. Shannon pressure saying, you know, um, I see I'm about three to five years ahead of, I'm very innovative and streamlining. And I think of things in, in systems and that's how my brain works. And so when I see something that I want to fix or be helpful around, um, that causes me to study it and become an expert and all of these things. So that's just who I am at the end of the day, but not in everything. Right. So, um, so I like that you got me to talk about this and I, I don't want to paint a picture ever that, um, that I have, uh, you know, that I don't believe in, in my work or anything, but I do want to paint a picture that I know that I'm human and I know I've taken on a lot of learning curves over the past three years. And these learning curves have caused me to leave some of the other learning curves, maybe a little flat where I need to beef that up now and put all that aside. Right. And so I, now I'm focused, hyper-focused on, I have a business degree, a business degree in management, a BBA, and a bachelor's in business administration. And so I crave more education there in management and leadership. And I crave uh, more, uh, like you said, I'm on a growth edge. I like how you said that. That was pretty cool. But, um, and so I think that's what you're hearing from me now as I'm kind of treading that rocky area in a new learning curve, right? So this is really cool. I didn't, I didn't know you went this distance with us on these calls. Jeez. <laughs> You never know what you're going to get here. That's the <laughs> nice part, you know. <laughs> I love and it. I certainly don't either. So I it, love it's, it. it, it's uh, I'm just just to wrap. I'm going to say, you know, there's a big difference, and I'm kind of saying this to myself, but there's a big difference between being a know-it-all, yes, which no one likes, right, mm -hmm. versus having a field of expertise or being confident. This is my expertise when it comes to you know, X, Y, and Z. I know this as well as anyone. And I'm, you know, I'm proud of that because, and I, and I know it because I've done the work. Right. I have Plain earned my stripes. Exactly. That's for sure. Exactly. Exactly. And so, um, there was one other thing. Oh yes. Which is this, this is, this would be the last thing I think, <laughs> <laughs> which is, um, I heard a bit of, and, and I can relate to this where when you become the expert, so to speak, where you become the person who, who, who others view as the expert, that part of what comes with that is a little bit of you get a target on your back. <laughs> At least this, this has been my experience. And I, I'm, I'm guessing that that laughter was a, a laughter of, of uh, familiarity <laughs> and maybe maybe you've had some of that yourself where you know when when sometimes when someone is viewed as an expert the the folks that want to be viewed as an expert don't like that mm -hmm. and there's a safety piece 
of if I don't consider myself an expert or the top person or the leader or whatnot, then I'll keep myself safe from, you know, these other folks that might want to tear me down or might not be happy to know that I'm the number one person mm-hmm. because they want that spot. And it's something, you know, I, I just wanted to put that out there as, you know, it perhaps it's perhaps some of that story is a way to to keep yourself safe or to feel safe. So that's just a thought. But also, I really just kind of wanted to highlight that because I think the reality in this industry and any other, you know, we're still humans. There's still this uh, competitive human nature and Mm -hmm. there's haters, there's detractors. As much as this industry is full of really great people that want to collaborate and lift each other up and are very compassionate and, and driven by helping people and doing the right thing there's also people who are not and i think it's important for folks to be aware that you know that's a part of this and you have to be prepared for that and it's something that you know there's there's a a phrase from a song i like where there's a penalty to leadership Mm -hmm. and part of it is you're gonna have greater scrutiny you're gonna have people who are who, who are just looking for the chance to, to take your spot. And that's a reality of, of any business or any industry, especially in cannabis where it's so hard to succeed. And so sometimes when people see others succeeding, there's, there's envy and there's, you know, all this other stuff that can get into the mix. So I'm glad we're ending on such a high note here, huh? <laughs> They're coming to get us anyway, Mike. <laughs> That's right. You, you hear that? Our ride is here, you Uh-oh. guys. We got to go. Our ride just got here. <laughs> Mike nice. and I would like to conclude this sentence. <laughs> That's hilarious. The industry's challenging. It's also an industry for women, right? And, you know, there's little layers in there that, um, you know, I'm LGBTQ, I'm a woman, I'm Latina. And so I want to say that it does take a certain person to come in and thicken their skin and look around. And whether you're a woman, whether you're a man, whether you're of color, whether, you know, anything, uh, socioeconomic status, it does take thick skin to be in this industry. Um, And an attitude of not giving up and giving into those, I call them, you know, I had my employee said, oh, you have a villain. That means you're going to be someone. It was like, okay, great. That was like a month into my uh, career, right? I had somebody that was just would not leave me alone. And so that in itself can be enough to turn anyone away, even if you're being bullied or anything. But it's also a rewarding industry, like you said. And we've got people that collaborate and lift each other up. And I was coached to, as I'm moving uh, towards any of my goals, if there are people around me that are moving towards the same goals, to Um, grab them and help them not only alongside me, but to pull them up and throw them over my head so they can go further because down the road, I'm going to need them. Right. And so I love our connection um, and I love the work you're doing. And I'm so happy to have been here with you today because you're such a person who has, you know, so to speak, um, grabbed me and you're lifting me above your head. Right. And, and I hope one day to be there to help you too because your career has, you know, exceeded mine. And now you're, you're a senior, you are Yoda. And so um, I look up to you in that way. But I also love that we jive and that our similar, our stories are similar. So, um, so the tough industry is worth it, because it got me to this point on this podcast. So um, thanks so much for having me today. And um, let's, let's go ahead and let the the sirens take us away now, if you would like. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That it's funny, it reminds me of uh, years ago, I was dealing with this really frivolous lawsuit, and somebody somebody said, "Mike, you know you've made it when someone sues you." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "That's hey, the yeah. stupidest thing I've ever heard. I, I don't like this is dumb, you know." But right. yeah, Shannon, you know you've made it when someone's stalking you. It's oh gosh, okay, great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's awesome. Like, that's not what it, that wasn't exactly my vision of success, but. Um, I get it. That's awesome. It, it's 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 funny, but at the same time, 
Um, I, I just want to, I want to, I have to challenge you because I disagree with you when you say that my career has exceeded yours. I won't stand for that because I, I think, first of all, comparisons like that are, are silly. I've, and I've done it myself where I look at other people and I, I think, oh, you know, so-and-so, they're so great and blah, 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 blah. And why can't I? Blah, blah, blah. And I, I just think it's, it's a losing game most of the time, these kind of comparisons. And second of all, I just flat out disagree with you because I think we're completely just doing our whatever we're supposed to be doing and doing it in a great way. And I, I look up to you. Mm, so, you. you know, cause there's things that you've accomplished and achieved that like, I, I look at it and I'm like, damn, I want to, <laughs> I, I want to do that when I grow up. So please, <laughs> please be clear that, you know, it's a mutual uh, respect and admiration and the mm, fun and you. exciting thing is, you know, we're going <laughs> to kick some ass together real soon. So um, awesome. I'm, I'm so grateful and delighted that we got to connect here and i'm looking forward to more more chats soon and um it's really an honor and a joy for me to be able to share your story and your insights and and to to highlight your work because i love your spirit and the place that you come from and the way that you show up so i i hope that the people who watch this or listen will i'm sure that some of them will be inspired by you and be like i want to be like shannon when i grow up so thank cool. you so much for, for being a part of this here today shannon. thank you michael and thanks for all that you do hi mike z is hi mike z is hi mike z is the cannabis business coach hi mike z is hi mike z is hi mike z is the cannabis business coach